This is Make Every Media with Michael Furstenfeld. It's a show about making stuff and helping other people make stuff. And in season one, year one of this show, I've been making my way down all the letters of this acronym that's been helping me keep track of all the stuff that I want to make. It's mappings. Movies, audio, performance, production, installation, newness, games, systems, and yes, the mapping of all of these things, of consciousness, if possible. But first, in this episode, I want to talk about the P and P of mappings, performance and production, which for the longest time, for me, have gone hand in hand. And I'm just now realizing how much they have happily consumed the last decade or so of my life. To try to be totally honest and present with you right now, this is actually going to be one of those year-in-review episodes. That's right, I am now a year into having started a podcast. The first episode was released January 8th of 2016, the second January 30th, and it is now February 14th, 22nd, 2013, March, April 17th, May 26th, September 24th, 25th, 26th, October, January 10th, 11th, 15th, 20th, 29th of 2017. And I have rewritten the script for this third episode probably about a bajillion times at this point. It just never felt quite good enough. And then I got busy doing these monthly installations with Happiness is a Choice, Hayak for short. That was January, February, March. I was recording hours and hours of material for this podcast, but I couldn't quite figure out how to frame it all in a log yet, and I couldn't seem to find enough time between gigs to see another episode to completion. I mean, it's not that I didn't want to take Jimmy Corain's advice when I interviewed him in the last episode, like a year ago. When I do the monologue at the top, I'll stop it, I'll re-record it. Yeah. I just, I'm a nut about it. It's 15 hours, I bet you, in a year, if you did it yeah. once a week, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, I bet you it'd be three hours, so two right. hours. Yeah. Jimmy Corain from the Improv Nerd Podcast, who has released... 47 episodes since that interview. How did he do that? How do people do this? I can't even release three. I swear, I tried to make one in February and March and, you know, excuses and the day job and those little mind monkeys, performance and production. They ate up my entire year again. I mean, I'm not really complaining. I had been trying to say no more to theater as an experiment, but I still had all this momentum going from 2015 and before. People wanted to work with me, and that was nice. And then in March, I sort of put the podcast on the shelf to start rehearsing with Trouble Puppet. Jim Henson Foundation Fund couldn't say no to them. This was their last show at Salvage Vanguard Theater. And that space had been so foundational and inspirational for me in my early artistic journey. The only place in Austin, really, where all the spheres collided. The visual arts, music, theater, improv, poetry, dance communities, all collided on a regular basis. So I had to say yes to one more performance at SVT before it was gone forever. It took me through March, April, May, and by June, I had started working on a different podcast about the preservation of the memory of Salvage Vanguard Theater, or SVT, and other spaces that we'll be losing soon due to rising property costs in Austin and the university's expansion, spaces like the Off Center, home of the world-famous Rude Mechanicals, so I set off to do the only thing that I knew how to do. I started recording as much audio about these spaces as I could, right up until 
June of last year, Salvage Vanguard Theater as we knew it, 2803 Manor Road, closed its doors, and then I had to hurry up and move too for the first time in like 12 years. And I swear I'm not complaining, but that was no easy feat. At that point, I actually thought I might make a third podcast series about productivity and the new systems of organization that were helping me move and get control of my life. Actually, it took a fourth, a fifth, a sixth podcast series idea and a coffee with Tom Booker in August before I realized that I had an addiction to starting podcasts and then never publishing any episodes. And if I was ever going to release another episode of anything, all of these new podcast ideas needed to be episodes of this series that I've already started here. I mean, everybody probably knew that before I did, but it's obvious now. Okay, we're halfway there. We're at the end of July, and Hayek is having our sixth installation. This one, a collaboration with the Church of the Century Kid. I live all lives simultaneously. That's Todd Meehan, the founder of the church, whose perspective on time is probably healthier than mine. I'm always trying to linearize things, make everything sequential. See, here I go now. I jump straight from that into Shakespeare's Twelfth Night on the roof of Whole Foods in the peak of the summer heat. Because I was cast as the clown, Festy, and as a band leader, and of course I couldn't say no to all that. That was July, August, September, so linear. I fell in love with playing music again. Twelfth Night ended on the twelfth night of performing it, October 2nd, but I wanted the band to play on. Next thing on the calendar for October was Hayek's final installation collaboration of the year, dubbed Final Con. It's at the Museum of Human Achievement, a partnership with Ink Tank, this group of a dozen or so visual artists, and this, I think, brought us to a whole new level, and in many ways set the stage for the kinds of things that I want to be producing moving forward. In November, a version of that band did play four shows, which only made me want to play more music, but finally, in December, I had blocked off some time to sit down and bring out the old script for episode three of my podcast again. Right before a family emergency whisked me away to Fort Worth for the next three consecutive weekends. Which pretty much brings us to today. In short, my attempt to follow all eight creative pathways all at once for the whole year sort of succeeded. It was a very full year and I did do a lot of good work, but it also sort of failed, as we all knew it would. I had a lot more moments of peace this year than in years past, but I still felt generally spread thin, overwhelmed, unsure of what exactly I was accomplishing, because I couldn't seem to hold on to it. This may just be a side effect of being alive, but I came to realize through the year that for my inner artist right now, what I need more than anything else is to be producing and performing in things that are just a little bit less ephemeral than the stage. This is not a judgment on the art form or anybody who continues to do stage work. I applaud you and I admire you and I can't wait to see your show. I just don't think I personally can handle putting in another two to three months of rehearsals to do something that will essentially disappear after the 12th night of performing it. I mean, I know if it's good, it lives on in the minds of the people who saw it. But it still just breaks my heart to think about all the people who definitely won't see it or even know about it. Don't get me wrong, performing in theaters all over Austin for the last decade 
has also healed my heart. It's given me so much joy. It's filled me up with the spirit of the place and time, and it feels like I've lived multiple lives because of it. And now I'm full of it. I'm completely full of it. Somewhere along the way, I realized I was using these performance opportunities as a way to avoid doing the things I was starting to suspect I needed to do, too personal or heavy up until now to even attempt for fear of failure. But we're talking about making every media here, right? We've got to embrace and encourage failure as a part of the process. So here we go. For the first time in at least over a decade, I am going to shift my producing and performance gears away from the theater. Actually, for the entire year, I resolved to say no to lengthy rehearsal processes, to plays that take multiple months out of my year and then disappear, projecting me into the future at an alarming rate, and to say yes more to doing and making some of those other things that I've always wanted to do and make, like movies, documentaries, apps, games, and music, like this podcast. So here's to 2017, a whole other year of making every media we possibly can, hopefully in a more focused and intentional kind of way than in years gone by. Coming up next on Make Every Media... We are a group of scientists, we are a group of theater performers, and we are a cult. And we're a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, we're 501c3. <laughs> Actually, you're cult. a sponsored project. We are a, we are a sponsored by a sponsored project. <laughs> A sponsored 501 Cult 3. <laughs> Happiness is a choice. As we take our first trip around Collective Memory Court, exploring the last 10 years of performance and production in our little bubble of Austin, Texas, and how it has led to our current interests in all the things in the last part of my acronym, installation, newness, games, and systems. There I go being linear again. Just there being extra rooms for people to experiment, like we were, I was just saying. It's so important to a creative community for people to be able to just try stuff out. And so it's been cool to like see things kind of at their inception, then go off, you know, to tour or to be bigger. It's a classroom, and we're losing that. That's what I'm the most sad about. And introducing Preservation Station, our attempt to preserve memory, place, community, and meaning through emerging, interactive, and immersive technologies, supported in part by the City of Austin Cultural Arts Division. Thanks to Jason Newman, Jeremy Cudd, and Mars Wright for the music. You can find them all on SoundCloud and Le Cloque du Monastère from museopen.org. Later this year, the return of Not This American Life, because, well, it's better than doing nothing. That's April 22nd in Austin, Texas at the Institution. All that and more this year, or maybe next year, on Make Every Media. <laughs>